Welcome to Bible Fellowship Assembly Sunday Morning Messages. Today, Wade Matthew continues our series on the Psalms of Ascension. Today, looking at Psalm 122, 123, and 124. And now, here's Wade. You know you're getting old when you have more pairs of glasses than you do have pairs of pants. I can't find a pair of glasses that work properly, so I go from bifocals to reading glasses to sunglasses to I'm not sure what the next step is. Just a couple of things before we get started, uh, if you don't mind. Um, first of all, as we close later on, I would like you to think about all the people who do little things for the Lord that go unmentioned. I would like you to pray for those individuals. And it's amazing how long that list is. And I'll just name a few of them just to give you an idea what I'm talking about. The people who maintain this building, the people who maintain the property outside, the people who plant the flowers and weed those flowers, the opening team who spend hours and hours practicing selecting the songs, doing the persecuted church, all of those things, putting those things together. A big shout out to the elders who spend time on a regular basis, not once a month, not not two or three times a year, but on a regular basis, praying for each and every one of you, developing a package that goes together that we can all come here safely and not violate any of the municipal laws or provincial laws or federal laws. People who just pray for other people at home. People who take other people for groceries. People who pick up other people to just take them out. People who just phone to say, hi, how are you? There's so many people out there who look after other people. And that's what love is all about. That's what the Lord speaks to us about. We're in the book of Psalms today. And... As you know, a lot of people think of Psalms as just a section in the Bible that is musical, lyrical, poetic, uh, doesn't mean an awful lot. It's just sort of an interlude between books. But that's not true. And so as we begin this morning, once again, I would like you to try and make the Psalms relevant to you. It doesn't matter that they were written thousands of years ago. They are still relevant today. And they will be relevant to you in a way that is different than they are relevant to me. And that's okay, because the Lord speaks to us individually. So let's just begin by uh, saying that, in my case, it's nice to be home, to be back home again. And I know that seems a little bit strange because I don't live here. I live at another location. I live in a house that uh, you would say is my home. But I don't consider it my true home. It's not my forever home. It's not the same. Let me try and explain that a little bit because this is going to tie into the Psalms that we're talking about today, and it's another one of those indications where people see things differently perhaps. This morning I ask you to consider as I speak what home means to you. Now, regardless of where a person calls home, when he or she is away from that place, 
Many things are left behind. There are things that you can't do. There are things that you would like to be doing. There are things that need to take place that you assign to other people. It's not like being at home. When I left home as a teenager to strike out on my life journey, I left a place where I always had found a sense of protection, a sense of serenity, a sense of peace, a sense of belonging. Now, some of that came from the fact that it was a physical place that I was protected from storms, from uh, dangers of uh, animals, that type of thing. Some of it comes from the fact that I had a loving family who watched over me. Some of it comes from the fact that I had a father that guided me, that led me in what he did, hoping that I would emulate him, that I would learn from him. And he taught me and taught me well, I believe. But that was our family's home, and it could no longer be called my home. That might seem strange because we all go back home, don't we? And yet it didn't seem like home anymore. Part of my life journey was to find a place that I could call my home, not realizing it, of course. Uh, and I lived my life with purpose when in reality I was really seeking a home. They were temporary desires that were being fulfilled as I went through school, as I went through jobs, uh, as I went through relationships, as I traveled, whatever it was that I was doing. These were temporary fulfillments of my desires, but it didn't get me home. I knocked on a lot of doors. I had a lot of opportunities put before me. I had a pretty easy life in many ways compared to others, but I wasn't home. I wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. Knocking on many doors, I finally landed on one that was opened by the Lord, and it took 40-some years for that to happen. But he was there all of those 40 years before it, guiding me and leading me. From that point onward, I had found my forever home. I would never be lost or aimlessly wander again. I was home. Now, my previous homes, as I said, had been temporary and would rot and rust away. But this new home would never be separate from me again. And that's true. The first house, the second house that I lived in, both of them are gone. The third house, my father passed away in that house, and my mother moved away from it. So it's really not part of our life anymore. So it's very much temporary settings. And yet they were home at one time. You know, even when we go to work in our present-day environment, upon returning home, there is a sense of release, a sense of relief, pardon me, and peace in your mind. Somehow you feel protected. Somehow you feel in a place where you can be comforted, where you can be yourself. And it doesn't matter how comfortable your current settings are at work or out at camp with your family and with your friends. It's simply not home. I know in discussing with Joe, he loves it out at Ivanhoe. But I know that it's not home. I know that there are things that he wants to do in other places. And by being at Ivanhoe, it takes him away from that. That's not to say that it's not a blessing to be at Ivanhoe, but it's not his true home. It brings to my mind the saying that home is where the heart is. Well, my home while I'm on earth is now occupied by the Holy Spirit. It lives within my heart, and I am never alone, never to be lost again. I am home. What a comfort that is. 
What a comfort that is. So just think about that as we talk about the Psalms that are coming up. More specifically, being in the chapel here today brings me to a place that I consider my heavenly home on earth. I'm now in the house of the Lord. I'm in the home of the Almighty God. I know that while I was away, things took place in my life that were not acceptable. And I'm talking in the long term, but I'm also talking in the short term. I know that I probably did things yesterday that were not pleasing to God. And that's unfortunate. But I also know that before I even walked through those doors at the front this morning, that he had forgiven me. That he welcomed me with open arms like the prodigal son did. He came running down to the edge of the driveway and said, Welcome, Wade. I can hardly wait for you to get in there. This is your home. This is my home. This is our home. So I have this profound feeling that I am where I am supposed to be. Not only when I come into this chapel, but just from the fact that the Holy Spirit is right here and I'm always home with the Lord. Now that doesn't mean that I don't do things that are wrong, that I don't ignore them, that I don't turn away from them from time to time. But having that understanding that he is always there, that he forgives me before I do these foolish things that I do, It's so comforting. It's so wonderful. It's such a sense of serenity and peace. It's home. So let me ask you a question. How can you not be happy? How can you not feel protected? How can you not humble yourself before your Lord and thank Him for unconditionally welcoming you here this morning into His home, into your home, into our home? One additional observation with regards to this is that what makes this place even more special than the house that I left, that I called home, is that here my family and friends have entered into the house of the Lord as well. We are all at home together. And it doesn't matter whether we're in the chapel here as we are now, as I said before, whether Joe is at Ivanhoe Lake and David is at work at Timmins District Hospital, and I'm out cutting the grass, we're all at home with the Lord because we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. You know, the Psalms, if you look in your Psalms, starting at 120 and 121, as Trevor did last week, and the three that I'm going to talk about today, the headline on the top of my Bible says, Help Comes from the Lord. Well, he's just helped you, and he helps you every moment of your life. So all that I've said here, I hope, puts you in a frame of something very uh, familiar and something that you can relate to when you hear the Psalms that we're going to speak about today. Uh, They're very relevant today, even though they took place 2,000 years ago. The differences here, pardon me, the differences here, of course, are that in our day, We come to the Lord once and forever. We are forgiven. We are in his home now, and we will always be in his home. In their day, they were still struggling with feasts, with coming to the Lord's place 
to the Holy of Holies and to the temple and the synagogue. And, and a lot of it was tradition. A lot of it was the law. But they were doing these things temporarily because they did not have a permanent way to come into the Lord's house. And so when they did come before the Lord, and many times it became it came before the Lord begrudgingly, you know very well that through the Old Testament, the Israelites and the tribes of Israel were not particularly welcoming to the Lord. Let's put it that way. They fought amongst themselves. They fought amongst each other's tribes. They certainly didn't put God first in all that he did. They complained about what God gave them. When he gave them manna, for example, they got tired of it. When they were wandering around in the wilderness, they got tired of it. He protected them. And in many ways, they got tired of that. They wanted to be their own person. But they didn't realize that that wasn't possible without the Lord. And so Psalms 122 and 124 that we're going to deal with today are based around the theme of Psalms for the journey to Jerusalem. When God's people were traveling to Jerusalem for special worship times, and I understand it was something like three or four times a year, they came to Jerusalem for these worship times. So it's not something that is an everyday occurrence or even a weekly occurrence like you do here. You come every Sunday to the chapel. They did it maybe three or four times a year. What happened when they left Jerusalem? They went back to their old ways. What happens when you leave the chapel? Do you go back to your old ways? The difference is that you have the Holy Spirit to question you. You have the Holy Spirit that challenges you each and every day. You know, Jesus said that he will not lose his sheep. Once he has found them, he will not lose them. And he will not let you go. Another way of saying Psalms for the journey to Jerusalem is saying Psalms for the journey home. Because in reality, that's what it is. And unlike the Psalms that Trevor spoke of last week, these Psalms appear to be attributed to King David and his family, his friends, his subjects, his people. So there's a little bit of a personal side to these Psalms today. And you'll see it coming from someone who is king of the tribes of Israel. And yet, he humbles himself before the king of kings, before the Lord of lords. And that's how it should be. So let's begin by reading Psalm 122. These are very short, and you wonder how they go together. And only the Lord can answer that for you but I hope that you get something out of these as we go ahead. Psalm 122 says, A Song of Ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. For thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and my companions, I will now say, peace 
be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Now, a holy city for the Jews. Jerusalem represents the capital of the ancient kingdom of Judah and the modern state of Israel. And I know that most of you have an awareness of where Jerusalem is. The name of the city means city of peace. Jerusalem means city of peace. It's often called Zion. And perhaps that's because Mount Zion is the hill on which the fortress of the city was built. To the people of God, the city represented a place where King David established his kingdom and made it a center of worship. He besought generations to pray for peace of this city. And he wrote his Psalms declaring the beauty and the significance of the city of Jerusalem to the people. He encouraged people to seek home and appreciate its importance in their lives. Now, the city also uh, is where King Solomon built a magnificent temple that became the house of prayer for all of the nations. Isaiah envisioned Jerusalem as the world's centerpiece, where the nations would be taught the law of the Lord and would beat their swords into plowshares and learn war no more. It was to be a city of peace. Doesn't that speak a little bit of Jesus? He did not come as a warring God. He came as a peaceful God. Jesus himself wept over Jerusalem and foretold that it would be ruled by Gentiles for a time. It was here in Jerusalem that Jesus preached and died and was resurrected. It was here that the Roman Empire flexed its muscle and tore down the temple in 70 AD. To many today, it's seen as the uh, city that is central to the imminent coming of Christ again, the second coming of Christ. And today, of course, Jerusalem is a major city for the pilgrimage of Christians uh, from around the world. So to say that Jerusalem is the focal point of David's passion, it's clear in what he says. Let's talk a little bit about David and his people and the journey to Jerusalem. First of all, as we read Psalm 122, the focus is through David, first of all, that he is pleasingly relieved. Relieved that he is not only going into the house of the Lord, that he is within the confines of the Lord's safe place, which is Jerusalem, but that he is going in at the bequest of his companions, of his family, of his friends. So it is not he alone, but they are going as one, united before the Lord. It is a place of security and peace within the context of being in the presence of the Lord, being in his house. So David is filled with joy to be entering the house of the Lord, but more so by doing it with his family. Verse 1 says that I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. They invited him to come. In a way that's strange, because he's the king. You would think it would be the other way around, that he would come to the gate and he would say, okay, folks, you are my subjects, you are my people, you are my family, you are my friends, let's go into the city of Jerusalem, let's go into the Lord's house. But he doesn't. His companions, his family, his friends invite him. And perhaps that's an indication that in God's eyes, no one is superior to anyone else. 
that you all come to the Lord individually. After spending so much time away from home, the return is to a familiar sight. The city of Jerusalem pleases David because he knows that he is in the presence of the Lord. I'm not sure that the people of the day, or even David, truly believed that the Lord was with them at all times. I believe that they had this thing in the back of their mind that they had to call upon him, that they had to cry for him, that they had to scream, sing songs, chant, whatever, to get the Lord's attention, to know that he was there, to let them know that they were hurt, that they were being uh, taken advantage of by other tribes, those types of things. I don't think that truly they believed that God was always there listening, knowing what was going on. It's a, it's a place, too, where they believe that their father does preside, that the Lord does preside in the city of Jerusalem. So in many ways, it's like returning home. We've all done it in our, in our lives today. We've aimlessly wandered around the world, whether it's through travel, whether it's through work, whatever the case may be, and then we've come home. And we put ourselves under the guise of our Father. All of His love, all of His power to protect you, to lead you, to give you the wishes of your heart, were there in His home and are here in His home of Jerusalem, in your home. And yet it's far more pleasurable, more desirous than that, to be in the house of the omnipotent God, David's God, our God. Being present in God's house can be daunting and overwhelming. And it certainly should leave us with a sense of awe and humility. Verse 5 speaks of thrones set here for judgment. The thrones of the house of David. So that speaks of a power. Above and beyond yours. Above and beyond theirs. Where they will be judged. And that's a little bit frightful. But as David says in 3 and 4, Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where tribes go up to the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of the Lord, to give thanks to the name of the Lord. They come with one purpose. They are focused. Boy, that doesn't happen very often. We have a hard time focusing ourselves here as a chapel without worrying about the other churches in this city or in this province, or in this country. Our government can't focus on what's going on because one side of the province wants something and the other side of the province wants something else. They have to make some sort of a decision. But when they come here, they come to a place that is compact, that is a secure place within the walls of Jerusalem, that the Lord presides within. It is God's home. Because of the location of this house and the context of who oversees it, which is the Lord, of course, David feels compelled to pray for his brethren and companions that they may have peace within the house, within the city, through the Lord that they love and that they may prosper. Verse 9 
sums up David's confidence in his request. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Note the words, our God. He pleads for those with him, not only for himself. This is not a prayer of David's for himself. This is a prayer of David for his people, for his brothers and sisters in the Lord. Let's go on to Psalm 123. Psalm 123 says, Unto you I lift up my eyes, O you who dwell in the heavens. Behold, as the eyes of servants look to the hand of their masters, as the eyes of a maid to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God until he has mercy upon us. Have mercy on us, O Lord, have mercy on us, for we are exceedingly filled with contempt. Our soul is exceedingly filled with the scorn of those who are at ease, with the contempt of the proud. While he may be speaking about other people, I believe he's also speaking about himself and his companions and his friends. That they continue to sin. That they have a pride that is contemptible. That they are scornful towards others. And that they do that with ease. Remember when I said before that this is something that goes on and on and that they very often only come to the Lord when they need him. And here he says, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. So they're looking to the one who has the power to fix it. But only until he has mercy on us. Strange, eh? That's not the way it should be. The focus in this prayer, I think, is a little bit a little bit further down the line from the first one in that they acknowledge their sinfulness. They acknowledge their inability to change from the life of contempt and scorn that they've had all along as they wandered through the wilderness, as they tried to do their daily routine, as they tried to be obedient to David, their king. They were not so obedient to the Lord their God. And yet here they are, they're seeking mercy. They're seeking help of the Lord. The neat thing about this, in my mind, is that they look up. So many people in this day and age, and in fact, even in that day and age, looked ahead, looked to someone else on earth. Here they're looking up. I lift up my eyes to you who dwell in the heavens. That's where we should be focused, up there, always. David points out not only he, but those of his company now have their eyes focused on the Lord. And as I said, that's where they should be. And why? So that they might seek God's mercy for each person present. Why? Because they are proud. They are filled with contempt. They are scornful towards others. They do not reflect the image that God wants them to reflect. They do not reflect the image of children of God. They do not reflect the love and compassion that God would want them to reflect to one another, to their neighbors, to their friends, even to their enemies. They plead for mercy from God because they know that He and He alone can relieve them from their sin. But as I said before in the beginning, in their case, it's temporary because they will go away and they will have to come back again. 
and they will go away and they will have to come back again. In our case, we don't have to do that. We come once and once only to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has redeemed us forever. And so we should very well be thankful. No doubt about that. Let's go on to Psalm 124. Once again, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side, let Israel now say, if it had not been the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, they would have swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have overwhelmed us. The stream would have gone over our soul. Then the swollen waters would have gone over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to their teeth. Our soul has escaped as a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we have escaped. Our Lord is in the name, our help, pardon me, is in the name of our Lord who made heaven and earth. So in this psalm, he goes even further and he focuses on where would they be without the Lord? And I'm sure they've thought of that before. And I'm sure that's why they cried to the Lord so many times, not only in Jerusalem, but outside of Jerusalem. But often it didn't help. They know that they have no place to turn except the Lord. Listen to the word of the verses, the words of the verses, pardon me, that David uses as he does this particular psalm. Those who were against David and his people would have swallowed us alive. The waters would have overwhelmed us. Swollen waters would have gone over our soul. They would have been drowned in the presence of their enemies. When I think of waters going over our soul, I think of darkness. I don't know if that's what God wants us to think about, but that's what comes to my mind, that they would be plunged into the darkness. They were already in darkness, but this plunged them into a deeper level of darkness. Instead of coming to the light, they would have been overwhelmed by the darkness. But God did come to the light. God did come to them and provide them light. He was merciful because God was indeed on their side. And they acknowledged that. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. What does that mean to you? Does it mean anything today? It should. It should mean the same thing it meant to them back then that you are not alone, that your help can come from one place and one place only. When you came to the Lord and you asked Him to relieve you from your sins, when you asked Him to give you a second chance, when you asked Him the right to live in His house with Him forever, did you not think that He and He alone was worthy. So I just want to close right there. I'm going to leave that hanging the way it is. I'm going to go back to what I said at the first. I'm going to ask you to think about what home means to you. This may not be what these psalms mean to you when you read them, 
It's an indication of what the Lord has spoken to me. But I believe that there is a message here in these Psalms for each and every one of us. The message in these three Psalms is that we are unworthy, but through God's grace, through His love, through His compassion, He wants to help us. He will help us. He has helped us here because we all have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. And so we are all now at home in His home. Let's just go to the Lord in closing prayer. Lord, we are so thankful that uh, we got a second chance. Lord, your word is truth. And it wasn't only truth 2,500 years ago, 3,000 years ago. It is truth today, and it will be truth tomorrow. It is truth forever. And had those people only realized that you and you alone could give them what they needed. It is so sad, Lord, to think that people turned away from you. But, Lord, they turn away from you today. And what are we doing about it? Lord, we are your children. We are your subjects. We are in your house. We are welcomed into your house with open arms. Let us be obedient to what you've asked us to do. You have told us that we are no longer of this world. We are simply in this world. And this is why I consider this my home. Because this is a representation of my home in heaven. But not only that, Lord, it's a place where we have learned through your word that we are to go out from this place to speak to those in this world, to try and spread the light in this world until we are called to that mansion in the sky. Lord, we are comforted by the knowledge that we are part of your family, and we pray for those who are not, Lord. We pray for those who have turned away, those who have rejected you, perhaps those who have not even heard of you. We pray for them, Lord. And we are so thankful that your son said that when he finds his sheep, he will never lose them again. That we will never be lost again. That no matter what happens, we have a home. And that home is with you. And we thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. Come back next week for the next Sunday morning message from Bible Fellowship Assembly. Visit us on the web at bfa.church where you will find our physical address and contact information. We'd love to see you if you're in the Timmins area, or drop us a line at info at bfa.church. Until next time.